Welcome back to He's Abroad. This is Jason here in Brooklyn, joined as always by John, who is abroad in New Zealand. What's going on, John? And I would say today you're abroad in New York because there's there's two people here who are on this side of the Pacific. You are the yeah, outlier it's, here. It's a matter of it's a matter of perspective. And uh, joining us for the first time, uh, we got a guest. Uh, she is not abroad. Ciao in Australia. How's Hello, it going, Ciao. Hello, I'm great. Good morning. Morning. We're stretching three time zones here. I think this is also a first. Yeah, the the power of the internet. Look at that. We are all connected and living very far away. There's a there's a sea between me and Chow, and there's an ocean between me and you. So, <laughs> multiple oceans. <laughs> yeah, yeah. A lot, a lot, a lot of stuff going on between between all of us. I'm literally on the other side of the planet. It's the magic of computers and technology, man. But enough about that. This is a this is a historic day. I think something needs to be acknowledged before we get into our actual business here, right? We've lost uh, two significant figures, one who is royalty and the other who is Prince Philip. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, does, any, does anybody have any thoughts about the passing of either of these two gentlemen? And of I've, course, I've by royalty, I mean DMX. Yeah. I mean, I've got a question for Chow on both of these of how much do Australians care about the Royals and how much do Australians know about DMX? <laughs> um, so we really don't care about the Royals. Um, that sounds about the same here. So. Yeah. So probably <laughs> like a negative a negative score if it could register on, on some sort of sliding scale. Um, and DMX, I've actually seen a lot more about DMX than I have seen <laughs> about Prince Philip. Uh, that like sums up 2021. <laughs> yeah. DMX was in Cradle to the Grave. How could you – he's an international sensation. DMX. I, I would argue that DMX during his height, which was 98 to 2000, I mean, that's when you had Eminem and Jay-Z and all these very big megastars now, right? He had more hits than any of those people in that three-year span. Yeah. It was, it was hit unique. after hit. And if you listen to DMX's albums now, it's crazy. Like, the lyrics are insane. Like, it's stuff that I can't believe I was listening to that as a 15-year-old. And it maybe explains some things, but it's like, yeah, like I'm surprised that that content rose to being chop, uh, top charting music. And it just kind of explains how kind of special of a person he was in the good and the bad. Like it's it's all over. Like the fact that he made it to 50 to me personally is amazing. <laughs> Well, why don't why don't you uh, why don't you sing to us some of your uh, choice DMX lyrics? I, again, offhand. I I don't I don't know lyrics. That's the funny thing. I listen to a lot of music. I mean, if I listen to it, I know the words. I'm not singing the words. It's awful. It's a lot of murder, death, kill, homicide, and it's stuff that we don't put in music anymore. <laughs> he is Dude, he is yeah mystical, right? His single, like only single. I don't know if he had anything after that one, but. He had lots of like, singles, but the single that you heard, and again, we're talking about people that became white people famous. So this is the yeah. people that you're aware of, Jason, <laughs> right? So when I'm talking about hip-hop music, I'm talking about people that you know, right? So DMX was white people famous, and he was talking about street stuff in Yonkers, New York. That was insane. It I know crazy. the place. And Yonkers, New York, not very far from where I grew up. It's crazy. Very, <laughs> so, different, yeah. very different from where I grew up, but not very far, like a 30-minute drive. And the fact that he probably means more to New Zealand and Australia than <laughs> the the husband of the queen who's on the money of both of these places. 
<laughs> is amazing. It kind of sums up where we are. Yeah. Well, Prince Philip was kind of he was the, his most recent accomplishment was being in that meme in the car. Yeah, because he crashed his car. He was like 98, right? I don't know. It's just him through the window. Yeah, looking really gaunt. Yeah, like a vision, a vision of health. Yeah, he looked well, he, 99. Yeah, he sure did. <laughs> so, did it, he, he did not Every minute well. of 99. <laughs> and so did, <laughs> the queen's only five years younger. I looked that up, trying to figure out if she was a good candidate for the Paul Giamatti game. She's not. And <laughs> she, yeah, uh, she's she's 94. And CNN, who was talking about earlier, and they're like, oh, it's just like the greatest love story because he just stepped out of the way so she could be queen. You know, he would normally be king, but no, she she was queen. It's like, I, it's a little weird that isn't isn't I always thought there was a king and a queen and they were husband and wife. I didn't realize I, I'm not going to lie up until today. I did not know that. Prince Philip was the it's husband of, of the Queen of I, England. I I'll, did I'll not be, I'll be very this. honest. I didn't know either until I asked Alice, and she was like, "That was her husband." <laughs> yeah. And I was like, "Well, I was like, well, how's the Queen right. of England feel about this?" Like, and, but she was like, "You know, that's her husband, right?" And I was like, but "He's a, but he's a prince." I was like, "I thought he'd be King Philip, but he's not." Right. Right. Um, I guess that yeah. kind of speaks to our probable, like you know, the the, the patriarchy, misogynistic things. Well, there, there, there can't be a queen without a king, and there clearly has been for like oh, sixty years. Figure <laughs> that. Yeah. All right, Chow. Did you know this? Uh, I knew he was prince. I knew they were married, but I know that he's also her cousin. Oh, is that I right? That. There's some. Oh, wow. there's things, some things have just changed. Sort of, <laughs> some sort of relation. I don't know. I could be Isn't wrong. That I don't, all the I Windsors, don't... though. Isn't yeah, that probably. Why, uh, that's fair. That's why they don't like Meghan Markle because she she kind of made it too <laughs> obvious. Like she was diversifying the bloodline. <laughs> yeah, not about she was, that. <laughs> they couldn't even pretend that she was marginally related. <laughs> they are. They're Gross. cousins. Oh my god, they're cousins. Yeah. Oh boy. They're distant cousins, both related to Queen Victoria. They share the same bloodline. Through their respective links to Queen Victoria, the Queen, and Duke in Edinburgh are third cousins. So that's, I mean, it's after second cousins that you're fine, right? <laughs> Legally. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I'm asking. I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, it's a matter, I guess it's a matter of personal preference. Typically, you would say no. I mean, hey, man, how, how much do you believe, how much do you take the Bible as fact? That's kind of what it goes down to. I, I mean, you can probably run into your third cousin without knowing, right? Like, that's pretty far removed. Yeah. Yeah, yes, but the sir. first time yeah. you go to a bar mitzvah, you're like, hey, I know a lot of these people. <laughs> do you think that she knew? <laughs> do, do, you, do you think that she knew that this was her cousin, or do you think she found out after the fact? Oh, you no, think, she like, definitely she, knew. She knew? No, she knew. Oh, it sure. Was, they, it was, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, they, they do like a heavy vetting process, I'm sure. Yeah, it was in the resume. It's kind of like you ever you ever see uh, you ever watch a Knight's Tale? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I've seen that movie about a hundred times. So you know how like they read off all the the distant like the the people that they're a descendant of before like to to prove who they are. They probably do the same thing. You're about yeah. to meet Philip, <laughs> your third cousin. Let me draw the map. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Got it. See this tree? You're here. He's here. Oh, all right. We can make this work. Chow, do you ever think that Australia will will leave the the Commonwealth? Because I think Australia has to do it for New Zealand to do it. That's kind of how things seem to work here. I think we've like attempted a couple of times and uh, it hasn't kind of gone through. I think we just have a lot of 
dumb people in Australia that are able to vote. Oh, things. we'll get we'll get to that. We'll get to that. <laughs> and that's why you're with us. <laughs> you, you know what the problem is? You don't have a catchy name for it. You know, like when uh, when when England exited. Um, when when they exited the EU, they could say Brexit. You know, Commonwealth exit just doesn't sound as good. You gotta no, it doesn't roll off the tongue. You gotta think of a good way, or you need really cool money to replace and, it. And 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 like the, the real simple things, like oh, we have to change the flag. We'll stop this as well because like we tried to change the flag, and that was one of the first things that happened when I got here. There was this big campaign of like we need to change the New Zealand flag, and everyone's like, well, no, because it's the it's a Commonwealth thing. So that will stop it of just like, oh, God, what are we going to do about the flag that has the Union Jack thing on it? So <laughs> you hire a graphic designer who can make something cooler. It's not we that we tried hard. that and we had a cooler flag and they said no. <laughs> so <laughs> there's, there's that. Well, wait, what was the new design? What did it look like? Uh, what was that? I don't remember now. They had like three or four designs. Like one was the Maori design of like that flag. One was. Uh, I think it was a silver fern. So like all the sports teams, like the all blacks and whatever, right? They've got a silver fern on a black flag. And I think that's the one that everyone wanted to vote for because the black and silver is probably more recognizable to New Zealand than British colors. You're telling me there wasn't a Kiwi on one of those flagged options? Not one? No, not one. Not oh my one. God. These people, <laughs> what are they doing? It's an easy win. Everybody loves a stupid round bird. <laughs> stupid flightless bird you can immortalize it i mean it's going to be if it's extinct or like borderline extinct then you can immortalize the thing in flag form and you feel okay about it when they if they ever go gone i mean you don't want them to but the australian coat of arms has like the emu and the kangaroo and we eat both of those things oh yeah i get it and they're probably (laughs) and they're probably throwing boomerangs right i'm assuming that that emu and kangaroos taste better than have you had either of those uh yes um, a very long time ago. So I think part of like primary school, high school, like multicultural days, they, they would do like different kind of cuisines. Um, so one of them was they did a barbecue with like emu, crocodile and um, kangaroo. And yeah, it was weird. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say it's my protein of preference at all. <laughs> Um, like I remember crocodile being just really rubbery, like just like a really, yeah, it's like real tough. Yeah. Really tough texture. Um, didn't really taste like much. Um, and then like emu and kangaroo were really gamey, but really lean. So you had to eat it rare. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, as a, like 13 year old, I was not really about that. <laughs> rare My taste kangaroo buds life. were uh, <laughs> Not not quite refined <laughs> as a thirteen not, year old. No. Yeah. What about now? As a not thirteen year old. Uh look, I think there's like other other, you know, mammals I kind of prefer eating. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Better better yeah. meats. It's just just it. normal 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 kind of proteins. Yeah. I can only imagine. Well, I I kinda just said your name and where you are. Um, but ciao. <laughs> but nothing else. Uh, <laughs> Inter- internationally revered bartender extraordinaire uh chow do you want to do you want to say anything about yourself or anything to the people or the person who's listening to this do you want to talk to greg specifically because he's the only one that i know listens to this on a regular basis. <laughs> hi greg <laughs> <laughs> um yeah i guess like um i think what 20 
19. Um, uh, I won like an international gin, like cocktail making competition where they flew me to Ibiza um, to, to make kind of gin drinks and represent Australia. And I somehow won. Uh, so that's, I guess, my biggest claim. You put fame. a drink. You put a you put a drink in a in a baby UG. Yes, that's how you won. Yeah, and then one Should of the we? and then one of the uh, judges said that you shouldn't have done that. Oh, after it was, after you um, won, it was very contentious. <laughs> like, look, I I definitely kind of went into that competition not taking it as seriously as I probably should have. All of it was kind oh, of done oh, so for you the lol. You beat them without even so like if Greg listening to this. No, like, like, Greg, I, like I tried, <laughs> but like I definitely was a bit like, look, what what do I have? You know, because I'm I'm looking over at um like you know people that have come in from Singapore and have like air freighted, you know, things at their head chef that works at like a Hatted or like, you know, Michelin starred place that's helped them prepare items. And I've like struggled for 30 hours getting to Ibiza. Most of my luggage didn't turn up with me. So I have none of my prep and I kind of just got to a point where, well, what can I do? Because I can't, I can't use any of the things I've prepped, like potentially. Um, I'm just going to be really Australian and hopefully it will charm them (laughs) and they'll feel sorry for me, (laughs) (laughs) but I'll still make a really good drink. Like I, I can do, I can do the making a delicious drink, but I think I need a really, you know, lean on the fact that I'm very, very far from anywhere else anyone else has had to travel to get here. And I think that's kind of how I've worked. You lost your luggage luggage twice. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. 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 That was a fun time. Entering Ibiza and leaving Ibiza, I've lost my luggage twice. (laughs) (laughs) So what, so what drink won? So did, do you remember the drink? Like, yeah. could you rattle off everything yeah, yeah. that was in it? For people so listening? it was kind of like a riff on a fluffy duck. And I don't know if you know what a fluffy duck is. No idea. <laughs> it's it's like avocados. It's like, you know, alcoholic, um, like custard for lack of a better word. Um, and it's got like orange juice and gin. And then you kind of shake it up and you serve it up with um, like sparkling wine or soda water. So what I kind of thought was we all had to use bergamot, so like this citrus that's, you know, um, available in Europe but really hard to find in Australia. Uh, and we had to do it with like a food pairing, like a food, like a food and culinary angle was kind of like what the brief was. So what I did was I made like a bergamot curd um, and I kind of worked with a local distiller to make uh, like a – finger lime lacto-fermented distillate. Um, so kind of like use that as my avocat kind of riff and then use Gin Marais, um, Seville orange juice that was like pressed um, as the drink was being made. And then I shook that up and served it in like a tall Collins glass with ice, which is not really the normal serve of a fluffy duck, and then topped it with Australian like Blanc de Blanc. So Australian Blanc de Blanc, the one that I chose was like super dry, um, but a little bit fruity at, like, at the at the end, so just kind of like lift the drink a little bit. Um, and I like I like fizzy drinks, um, particularly with like sparkling wine, like champagne cocktails. I like it served over ice because it's really really hot in Ibiza. You're not going to really enjoy your drink in ten minutes time if you serve it without any ice. Um, so I kind of like chose that to be the way I served it. 
It was a good drink. Nice. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm, I'm looking at pictures. If I type in your name in Jinmari, like a ton of stuff comes up. So yeah, I'm looking at images of this drink and it looks delicious. <laughs> yeah, it was, yeah, quite, it was pretty tasty. tasty. Yeah, it was good. You know, love Greg, but you know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I love Greg as well, and Greg can make a good drink. But now, now I've got to come. So where are you working? Somewhere in Australia. So when I when I decide to take the the jump over and risk getting caught in Australia because we have COVID <laughs> outbreaks, uh, where 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 can I stay? Whose couch can I sleep on in Sydney? <laughs> well, you're very very most welcome to my couch. Um, but yeah, I I like work at and part own um, a cocktail bar called Burrow Bar. Um, and we've been open for about five years, uh, but we actually are in the process of moving the bar about three minutes up the road. Um, you know, after COVID, uh, we had new landlords and these landlords are very big players in the hospitality scene in New South Wales. So uh, we knew that our time was kind of up as soon as the world kind of started to reopen in Sydney. Uh, so we've, we've decided to kind of move uh, to a bigger be a spot nice there's more than that though right because you also have the uh yeah so not only are we completely insane to you know move a bar um and continue on the 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 fun the fun journey of like you know hospitality and food and beverage during these times um we've decided to kind of open up and activate uh, a second level to be a different venue and it'll be a restaurant so it'll be like a regional Vietnamese food restaurant upstairs that will run like mostly independently um, to the bar downstairs. Cool. Looks awesome. If you're wondering why I made pandan waffles and spoke about it on the podcast about three or four weeks ago, <laughs> uh, Chow is the one who tipped me off to what pandan was and was even a thing. And oddly enough, found the same recipe <laughs> to, to make them <laughs> and they are delicious. So thanks again for that. It's uh, that was probably the best waffles I've made uh, in my waffle iron since I got it. <laughs> so it's quite quite good, quite good. So is that open yet or no? When when's the actual opening date? Uh, so I think the cocktail bar will open um, Wednesday Wednesday next week, and then oh, wow. I think a, the restaurant. A- yeah, the restaurant we're going to trail behind by about three four weeks. Um, just. It's just been really hard to bump out of the old space. So instead of like trying to half kill ourselves to get both levels open at the same time, we're just going to just focus on one, do it really well, and then um, focus on like the second second space. It's awesome. Well, well best to of luck. Trip. And yes, I will come Check and visit. Out. Yes, because I've been to Melbourne a bunch of times, but I've not been to Sydney. Oh, you've got to so, come to Sydney. Yeah, I've not been to Sydney. I've been to Melbourne, which I love. I love that that place is pretty cool. Um, but yes, I need to come to Sydney. As long as you come to Sydney and don't expect Melbourne, I think you'll really enjoy it. <laughs> yeah. like, I'm really sick of people comparing the two. Right. Because <laughs> we're really different. Well, it's funny because it's a lot like people. I don't know if you've been to New Zealand. I'm assuming you have just because I feel like all Australians have been to New Zealand. Um <laughs> Of like Auckland and Wellington, because Auckland, I think, is very similar to Sydney and Wellington is very similar to Melbourne. Um, is See, what I've, I've only been to Queenstown. And Queenstown's awesome. And I think that's where most people sort of from Australia, they come to Queenstown and they spend the money and then fly back home. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, get absolutely rattled on the slopes and then. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Home. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but Queenstown's great. I've been there a couple of times too. Yeah. It's very expensive though. So Yeah, it's the Australians flying in, I think. 
yeah, with your with your discounted money. So, <laughs> well, it's a good thing that um, I think Chow, you are you are perfect for this conversation that we that we need to have. Uh, John besmirched your people last week. <laughs> and, can I explain uh, why though? Can I explain let me why? Start, let me let me finish. And then you can, okay? What a surprise. So, the one so, from New Zealand had a problem with Australians. Yeah. <laughs> I am so shocked. You, so, so he besmirched your people. And uh, and I think as you, a, a an Australian native, and someone who probably encounters more Australians in the hospitality business than most Australians, you are officially the representative of Australia. She, so she as might a actually result, encounter just as many Kiwis as well, because there's a million Kiwis in, in Australia. So she might never, come across more Kiwis in Australia than I That's do. That's great. Then, then, she, then there's comparative data as well. But <laughs> she is the expert. She represents all of Australia right now. She's the voice of Australia. And now she is going to defend her country. John, <laughs> take it away. <laughs> so. What do we do right, now? I'm... I'm <laughs> I'm not a big reality – I haven't been a big reality TV watcher, right? But my my partner, Alice, who is Kiwi, um, apparently there was are – you, are you aware of Married at First Sight in general? I, I, I am aware of it and the concept, but I can't say I've ever watched an episode. Okay. Not even so a I preview. Had, yeah. So I, I hadn't either. And watch started don't, watching don't and started ever, watching the US version. I'm like, oh it. wow, this is what an awful thing to put people through. <laughs> and she tells me, Oh, well, you haven't seen the Australian version. Because I'm sitting here like, oh no, the American version. This is you know, everything makes Americans look awful. Because in general, we kind of are, right? <laughs> so I started watching this Married at First Sight Australian, right? And this takes place in Sydney. Um, it's they've get people from all over Australia, people from Perth, from Gold Coast, from Canberra, all these different places. And they put them through this process. And I must say, right, I told Jason last week, I said, you know what, for all of the all of the stuff that Americans get for being loud and obnoxious and arrogant and, you know, you know, social media driven, I've not seen more of that <laughs> than on this show. <laughs> and it's it's heavily soaked in Australia. It's, and I'm like, you know what? For a country with, tw- with 25 million people, you guys are just as loud and just as obnoxious as we are, <laughs> right? And there's less of you. So that was my that was my observation of <laughs> Americans get a lot of, you know, from the world, right? Europeans like talking about how uncultured Americans are. And, and Ki- I mean, again, Kiwis and Australians make fun of Americans as well. You guys aren't, you know, your president, oh God, whatever, whatever. Oh, a joke. And that's kind of my point <laughs> is that I am saying that you are one with us as Americans. I would say that we are on par as far as volume level. As, I mean, I think you guys drink way more, <laughs> which I don't know if that makes it better or worse. That That's why some of the behavior I've seen on this show is quite appalling. Um, but yes, this is what I'm asking for is please defend your people because what I've seen <laughs> had me clutching pearls and ashamed to be so close to Australia. <laughs> Well, I think um, when you when you talk about the concept of the show, the target market that would say, hey, I think that would be a great idea, you know, for me to put myself forward for is probably the first um, red flag, <laughs> I would say, um, you should probably consider. Um, I think it would be a certain type of person 
that wouldn't be a representation of the greater public um, that would want to kind of put themselves through that. Um, and they all kind of, and I would say the people on the show, right? There's a very, I would say that there's a very standard look to what I would maybe consider your stereotypical white Australian guy or girl. Is that fair? Like the blonde hair, blue eyes, lots of lip injections. And it's a very kind of standard look that I've seen on this show that I would say Australia is probably one of the most diverse places on earth, really. And yet this show was filled with that same person <laughs> stamped 12 times. Um, <laughs> I'm not sure if that's just what people are looking for or whether or not that is a similar experience of what is actually in Australia. Look, I, I, I so I'm, I'm only like kind of guessing the type of like person you're talking about because I actually like I genuinely have never seen it and I've never seen any of the ads and I don't want to look it up because I don't no, want the don't. retargeted ads to kind of start no, showing don't. me. Stay forward. <laughs> but I do agree. I think there is like, you know, we have, we have Bogans. Like we, we definitely do. We have certain type of people that live a really kind of like lad, laddish. Yeah. You, you, you know, should explain lifestyle. the term Bogan to Jason. So we understand. So we've, got, we've got Bogans here as well. And I've learned this term yeah. when I lived here. So it's Bogans, not quite redneck, but yeah. you should explain it. It's not quite redneck. It is definitely a type of person that, like, you know, is just stereotypical. I just looked loves up to just drink a lot. Um, you <laughs> the know. rednecks. Just say the rednecks is fine. Yeah, <laughs> it's I'm fine. looking at these but pictures. How rednecks? Why? Are, why I is Rebel is Wilson kind of in this picture? This is so rude to Rebel Wilson. I love Rebel Wilson. Well, that's that's her whole persona. Like when she does her her like acting and you know her her portrayal of you know an Australian she definitely kind of goes more bogan side like being very you know free spirited and sleeping around and um you know drinking a whole heap you know borderline drinking problem <laughs> is is you know apl- applauded um that's kind of like bogan in the in the bogan community yeah. Is is there a Bogan community? What the hell is this? I was I was always told that Brisbane and Gold Coast is where you'll find per capita more Bogans than than anywhere else in Australia. Yeah, I, I'd say like you know they 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 revel in being you know really you know really you know ochre and Australian and you know super laid back. They're not like you know like the guys from the city um, is kind of like the chat, but. You know, they they love like I I think Australians in general are very like fit people. They really care about how they look. Um, you know, a lot of people that kind of emigrate to Australia are, you know, chasing the weather and like a beautiful beach to live by. Um so there is a bit of an vanity to like a certain generation that's kind of like, you know, bouncing around Australia at the moment. I think that's most that's most of the world. I think that's what social media has done. In a in a large way, and then you got it, it, it a lot is, of people that just say, don't care. But. Yeah, but I will say, like what you see on the show, it's very weird how it's very specific. Like there's a very specific look that these girls are looking for, and they probably, you know, it's just like I'm gonna, you know, it's blonde hair, it's this type of look versus just general appearance and caring about the way that you look. It's kind of like this is what Australia looks like. So if you're an American watching this show, you're just like, oh, yeah, that's what Australia looks like, even though that's totally not what it looks like at all. Like we kind of really idolize American TV in Australia. Like I I know growing up, um, like I think we had some sort of 
deal with like free-to-air showing like American sitcoms on like TV and a lot of movies. Um, We had a lot of that when I was growing up. So I feel like in terms of like the look, I don't remember, you know, plastic surgery being huge when I was growing up, but as, as an adult, I'm like, I've noticed it a lot in real life, like plastic surgery and Botox and that kind of stuff and lip injections was just not, was not something that was done a lot. And those that did were, you know, quite wealthy. Um, Whereas now I feel like it's a lot more accessible um, and a lot more people are doing it. So it's a bit more widespread. And I don't know if it's, you know, a reference to any pop culture, but, you know, you have your, I don't know, the Kardashians that seem to love that certain look. Um, So what you're saying is this show is our fault. (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. You gave you gave the world the Kardashians. Um, I didn't. I didn't give them. I didn't give them shit. (laughs) (laughs) But I. So so John was explaining the show. (laughs) So what happened last week? What kind of led to this, and why we needed somebody to defend the country? And I'm going to raise the stakes here. So buckle up. we had we had a story where we read about the uh, the mouse plague hitting Australia, <laughs> and then and then John tells me about this show, and uh, and then he goes on to say, yeah, between he's like, I don't know, man, he's like between this, he's like, it's like the the racism down there and the other <laughs> stuff down there, and then he just kind of rattles off this list, and then I brought up the point saying, is is Australia the Florida of the Oceanic region now? To Americans, that would make sense. To you, probably not. But I think I could make sense of it. Florida is a is a hell is a hellscape in our country. No, it's not that bad. There is Florida is, um, you know, depending on who you are, depends on how you look at it. on On the surface level, it is Disney World and theme parks and fun and attractions for the family. It's got beaches. It's always warm. It's where Trump lives now, I guess, in Mar-a-Lago. <laughs> but it's also the place where alligators will kill you and there's a lot of racism and uh and it also happens to fuck up every election that we have um it's just kind of like the place where it's just a factory for crazies you know (laughs) and and anything is possible in florida and why is that the case because florida that's why john do you think i have i have i kind of explained that well enough what do you think yeah, and it's a very specific part of Florida that sums up, like, right, because you've got, like, Miami. Like, mm-hmm. what Jason said, like, where Disneyland is, is, like, Orlando, right? It's, like, Disney, yeah. Disneyland. And then, or Disney World, rather, right? Disney World. Yeah, and, World, like, World, World. Yeah, sorry. And then you've got, like, Miami, which is, like, extremely Hispanic. There's parts in Miami where you walk around where people don't speak English to you, and it's, like, where you go for spring bake, and it's awesome, and it's just, like, you can get Cuban sandwiches and sit on the beach and smoke cigars and drink, you know, Cuba Libres and mojitos. But then the rest of Florida is there. So I say, right, you've got Sydney, you've got Melbourne, you've maybe got a very small part of the Gold Coast, but the rest of Australia... That the Australia that, that I would say Americans know nothing about, that is very big. Australia is giant as far as a landmass is concerned. But where people live is pretty much around the coast. <laughs> like no one lives in the middle of Australia unless they're Aboriginal or they're a little nuts. And and so yeah, I, I was always told New Zealanders see themselves as like the Canadians to Australians, Americans, where everyone's like, oh, well, Kiwis are so nice and, and, and you know, no secret that Kiwis, there's some awful people here too. But 
It's just there's less of them, right? Because there's only 5 million of them. So, like, New Zealand is Canada. Australia is America. And I would say that most of Australia is actually Florida, where you have your New York and your L.A. and your cooler places where it's an international melting plot of people trying to live their lives. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I, I I don't know Florida, but it sounds really, really terrible. <laughs> it sounds <laughs> like not a good time. And Look, I got I'm, friends in Florida, and, and uh, there's sorry. a lot of retired Jews in Florida. I know that's something <laughs> I'm that's sorry not Australia. They're, they're harboring Trump. Like you know, that's that's kind of terrifying. Well, they voted for him <laughs> twice. Twice. <laughs> um. Yeah, I I don't know. Like I, I know, like a lot of people think that Australians are racist. Like I'm. You're my racist. heritage is. Are I, you racist? I'm, no, I'm, I'm, my heritage is Vietnamese. You know, my my mother like migrated here after the Vietnam War. Um, so really, like you know, I I do know how it kind of feels like growing up in a mostly like Australian, you know, Caucasian neighborhood in like super Western Sydney. Um, but I honestly, I honestly don't think I can say that I experienced a huge amount of racism like growing up. So, like I and you know, like I've like I've moved around um, Sydney as I've grown up and had to go like, go to university, and I've 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 moved closer and closer into the city, so away from the suburbs. Um, but yeah, I, I honestly don't think I've I've experienced that, and if I have, it's been like the anomaly where I've definitely kind of dished it back. <laughs> um, you know, I have a very, very Australian accent. So when someone tries to find out what my heritage is, I make it as awkward as possible. <laughs> uh, so it's like, oh, where are you from? I'm like, oh, you know, Australia. I'm like, oh, no, like, but, you know, where where are you from? I'm like, oh. And I'll just, like, continue diving into a Australia. more <laughs> – I know, like, a more obscure suburb within Sydney until it makes it really, really, really uncomfortable. And then I'll kind of, like, let them off the hook and I'll say, like, you know, oh, right, yes, you know, my background is Vietnamese. Yeah. Well, is it is it something like – is it something like in um, – I think about here in the States – like if you look at things along more political lines, right? I suppose you could say there's um, this kind of this reputation, or and it and it's factual if you look at the actual maps. Where the closer to a dense metropolitan area you are, the more liberal things are, and the more accepting and tolerant people are. And then the further you get outside of those areas, it becomes more conservative and in a way like less tolerant because they end up in these bubbles. They're not around those kind of people. Does that kind of thing happen? Is, is that a thing in Australia, or for the most part, are you is the country working on a on more on a more tolerant baseline? Would you say? Look, I, I I agree with like your point, but I think I think there's a little bit more tolerance. You know, I think um, Australians are a little bit more peaceful creatures. I sure. like to think. Um, Any guns do you own? Uh, zero. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I've ever seen a gun in real life. Yeah, so, and Australians guns, Australia's gun laws are very strict. It's very similar to what New Zealand is currently done, which is they've locked. And because I mean, I think you guys had sort of a a mass shooting event in the '90s that basically yeah. said, "All right, we're done with this." Yeah, where America can't seem to understand that the rest of the Western world realizes, "Hey, if you actually put regulations on these things, less people get hurt." Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if you know this, but. 
the only way to stop a bad guy with a gun is a good guy with a gun. <laughs> yeah, so like, you know, with us, you know, you, you need to actually have a permit and you have to go through a process of getting that permit. So it's almost like getting a driver's license. So you're registered, your firearm is registered, and you have to make sure that you have a safe um, if you have an actual like gun, it has to have a safe and the police will check that it is locked up. It is a working safe um, that you've, you know, kept on top of any of the renewal of like, you know, that permit that you need. Um, and yeah, we haven't had a mass shooting since. Well, well, Sean, you got it. That's like similar to the rules in New Zealand, right? When you it's, got it's almost the same. Only the the big thing that happened after the the shooting that happened here two years ago in Christchurch is that the guns aren't registered, so that's going to happen next. Oh, but it's the, basically the same thing, but just the guns aren't registered. You can own kind of the New Zealand government doesn't know how many guns are really out there because it's more licensing, right? So you get a license, but then if you buy a gun, you know they check your license and that's kind of it. It doesn't live in a list of this gun with this serial number belongs to this person. So a lot of the gangs here, you could say, probably have firearms that aren't, you know, that no one really knows exist or out there, which is probably a bit more. And again, I'm talking about 5 million people, so it's small, but it's big enough that the government decides, hey, this is not something we want. And I would say that's where Australia and New Zealand are similar, where there seems to be sort of a, a bit of a common sense, like, hey, this is a good thing to do for the benefit of all of us that sort of shouts down the real crazies. Where in the states the crazies don't really get shouted down that much, they tend to have well, a much bigger it, voice than they have here. I think it sucks to be you because when the government starts coming <laughs> for you, you have no way to defend yourself. Uh, so I would what say are you in Australia, do? you'd be more worried about not the government, but all of the ver- the, the rat horde or the yeah. crazy or the crazy <laughs> animals that, that that lurk in your neighborhoods more than the people. Look, so, yeah, that's I, a good I point. I don't want to add had... fuel to the fire, but we also had at the same time a spider plague. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I'm trying to say. So, so if you guys had guns, you could have probably solved that problem a lot would quicker, don't you not think? Have, I don't think it really would have saved flamethrowers. From... If you had flamethrowers. Yeah, flamethrowers would have been cool. Are flamethrowers legal down there? Nah, probably not. <laughs> not, a, not a gun. Is a flamethrower a gun? What's the the craziest animal you've come across that you would find crazy of like, hey, this thing just kind of is around? Like, I've had, I've I've never met anything like, I've never met like a snake or like a shark or anything. I think I've seen like a a stingray. Um, Those are dangerous. They killed. I've uh, I've seen like, yeah, Steve Irwin. Yeah. Yeah. They they killed a national icon in Steve Irwin. Yeah. Yeah, but don't worry, they got he's, he had two kids, and now they're national icons. And the only reason I know they exist is because they were on Celebrity Family Feud, and I was wondering <laughs> who, who these were kids? these kids. And and she just had a, and I, I believe that his daughter just had their first child. I think that happened a couple yeah. weeks ago. Yeah, Bindi Owen. Yeah. yeah. So. Um. Yeah, because you guys have all sorts of plagues and things that are terrifying. Well, to look, watch you and, know, like yeah. the the plagues only happen with extreme weather. Um, so we had uh, a really, really hot summer. So I think last year we had the bushfires and then this year we had a really hot summer and then it was floods. So like deluge levels of rain within. Sounds like Florida. Just saying. A week. <laughs> Sounds a lot like Florida. <laughs> but I would say because the water was so bad, it, it actually flash flooded 
a heap of places and like you know places that are uh, in the city as well so closer to like the metropolitan kind of areas usually when you hear about floods and drought like droughts it's it's usually kind of like more rural it's it's not really it doesn't really impact i guess like the metropolitan areas but this time around because the rain was so heavy uh, it it did kind of flood a lot of places and so yeah there, there were huge amounts of like you know insects and animals that were like completely freaked out and trying to reach higher ground and you know that's where the plague <laughs> of spiders and um mice i guess like came forth what's next I I'm not sure. I'm hoping there, there were fruit bats at one time. I remember it was at Adelaide or somewhere that had like these swarms of bats that like took over the city and like they couldn't. And these bats are huge, and that was maybe two three years ago. And it's like you couldn't go outside because they were like migrating fruit bats that would like swarm over the city, <laughs> and so people were staying inside. I think it was Adelaide. <laughs> well. Uh-huh. So, so in uh, one of the, the other things about Florida is um, the the constant discussion is when Miami is going to be officially underwater. So, what city in Australia is at risk of being underwater by these severe floods that may or may not be a result of climate change, depending on who you ask? I think possibly Tasmania would be probably first. There you go. So, like Hobart, further, further putting the parallels into place. You have a city <laughs> that may be underwater as a result of climate change. Not saying it's a good thing. <laughs> just, just saying. Just is what it is. <laughs> another parallel. Just, yeah, exactly. Uh, is there any, is there a group of people that say y'all in any part of the country? No. <laughs> I don't think so. I, I think I only know of one person that does and he does it um because he loves american like you know pop culture and that's i think he pop culture. but, that's, but that's i think he american. just does it as something that's ironic and now it's just become something <laughs> just he says part of his language. a lot yeah also he said he used to say um like it really slaps ironically and now he says it and i don't think it's ironic anymore so i give him a lot of grief <laughs> about that just yeah, there's, it. yeah there's a lot more there's a lot more g'days the australians that i work with and i work with quite a bit of uh, quite a few australians there's a lot of g'days <laughs> that i hear and i don't know what to do with that and i just go hey <laughs> because, <laughs> like oh, yeah sure <laughs> um yeah so uh is there any parting words you want to give us about why 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 are we wrong or why should people no, come why is john this? wrong i haven't said shit because i've been <laughs> yeah, before you've, you've, my, you've thought about it you my, you, call, ad- you called Australia Florida for God's sakes. I didn't. Let even me do tell that. you, and let me just say <laughs> that's not besmirching, okay? Because I've been keeping score, not on paper and not mathematically, but I've been keeping score, and it and it checks out. All right, the 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 parallels are there, and if you disagree, you have not been paying attention. Look, I think when your litmus test is trashy reality TV, where the concept <laughs> is to marry someone, not on me. I didn't say met. that. And then you get locked in a house, I assume, and then cheat on each other and then start uh, to fight because you're in, in close quarters. I feel like you, you summed it up in like a <laughs> sentence. You like summed that up like exact, that's exactly what it is and you've never seen it. 
I've 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 seen the you know the I don't know the flutterings on on social media of people I've grown up with that definitely follow it religiously. Um, they're very big fans, so I. Because I'm just interested if you know if any of these people are ever if they if any of these other people ever come into your circle, will you please join us again so you can explain to me some of the thought process behind why you would do this Look, and why I, this is as popular as it is in Australia. Because so, apparently this show is extremely popular. Yeah, it's it's hugely popular. Look, it's escapism. You want to watch something that is terrifying. You know, <laughs> it's like watching, you know, true crime, you know, like documentaries or podcasts. Like it's just really terrifying and some people need escapism. And I think it's a bit of like schadenfreude. We really like watching people do really stupid shit and go, ha, I'm not that dumb. I would never do that. (laughs) And we feel really good about ourselves. And then we go about our day and, you know, drink a flat white. I don't know. what My my takeaway from that is that this show is a true crime because don't don't watch it. It is is awful. I mean, I've never watched (laughs) an episode, but I listened to John and Arlen talk about it for an hour. And, and that's uh, the and, and and the American one is like the wholesome one. It's well, the wholesome one. <laughs> it's, but it's also like you know nothing you watching, said about it was wholesome. But nothing. you know, watching Big Brother, like I don't, I don't think any version of Big Brother in any country has been great viewing. But people are not watching you know, that either. People are obsessed with it when yeah, it was like you know it. big, and it was just like watching people do everyday very boring things. Um. But yeah, I, I would say that your litmus test is wrong. Um, you probably John, need a few your, more your examples. litmus test is wrong. Look, <laughs> look, but look, I, I, I am going to go to – I've been to Australia before. I enjoyed Melbourne. I have not been to Sydney, so I don't want to get to Sydney and be shell-shocked. So when I come through, I Please am expecting wonderful things. Please let me show you around. Please yes, I want to see amazing things. I want to like the the opera house and all the things as as a kid as an American right like the my only memory of Australia is that the the Sydney Opera House fireworks yeah is always like the coolest thing ever and at some point I would love to actually go and celebrate New Year's in Australia but apparently you need to do this like now because everything fills up <laughs> so 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 maybe now with this with this uh this um whatever this tra- this Tas- Tasman border open thing I can book a, a hotel room and stay in Australia for New Year's. Yeah, absolutely. You know, think I'll be allowed in the country by that point? I'm in. Let's do Look, it. I'll, I'll be fully I'll, vaccinated. I'll act, uh, I'll act as tour guide for the both of you, and I'll show you Sydney in all its glory. <laughs> Wonderful. Uh, I'm in. I'm in. To it. So, what did we learn? We learned that Australia may be Florida, but it's and not married John at first sight. There you go. <laughs> which Wonderful. which which happens more often than you think. <laughs> I might sound like I'm right all the time. I'm wrong probably like 50% of the time on this thing. <laughs> yeah. There you go. 50-50. Well, Chow, thanks for joining us. Uh, yes, we'll let you get you. back to your day. And uh, as we continue on with our nonsense, is there anything you want to say? <laughs> uh, to no, thanks for listening? having me. It's great to kind of chat to you guys and, you know, good luck with the crazy world that is right now. Hopefully we get to travel and see each other again. I will make sure to plug your bar when people tell me they're going to Sydney. So Borough Bar, I will tell the people when they come, when they're all the people who are in Wellington who are telling me, Hey, I'm going to go to Sydney for the weekend. I will tell them you've got to check out Borough Bar. Yes, please do. It'd be amazing. Good stuff.
Well, thanks, and you're wel- and you're welcome back anytime. Anytime you want to jump on and join these shenanigans, you're more than welcome. Like, if you ever need to kind of like you know trash Australia and you want want, <laughs> want a willing victim, I am more than happy to comply. <laughs> Great. Well, thanks, Joe. <laughs> See you guys. <laughs> Bye. All right. Well, let's get into some news, shall we? What do you say? Yes, let's do it. I got two stories. You know, I knew I knew we were going to spend some time going into, um, you know, some some Australian happenings, you know, a little bit of, uh, you know, you needed some reckoning after last week's uh, call outs. So here's your uh, here are your two options. All right. And I'm actually, you know, your two options are going to be by uh, geography. So we could talk about New Zealand or we could talk about Russia. Let's talk about New Zealand first and then Russia. Okay. Here we go. Talking about New Zealand. I think that's a good order. Depending on how long we go, I might just, we might just say, uh, oh, you know what? No, I did. There is something I want to talk about with uh, the red, blueish, black, Jewish. All right, here we go. Reading from the University of Otago. Where is that? Mm-hmm. Do you know where South that is? Island. Yes, it is in Dunedin. Cool. Well, AKA here's a, here's a, Dunners if you're local, which I hate saying. And I'm not. So here we go. Silver linings. <laughs> Silver linings and lockdown. That's what it said. Two thirds of New Zealanders believe there were silver linings to the country's alert level four COVID-19 lockdown imposed in March last year. A University of Otago survey has survey has found the researchers were able to question New Zealanders while they were at home, giving a unique insight into their lives during the nationwide lockdown between March 25th and April 23rd, widely regarded as one of the strictest imposed anywhere in the world. One year on from lockdown, the results of their study have been published in the international scientific journal PLOS One, P-L-O-S, in case you're wondering. Participants were asked, have you, have you experienced any silver linings or positive aspects during the COVID-19 level four lockdown? And were able to answer yes for me personally, and or yes, for wider society, or no. Of the 2010 participants who completed the online survey, survey, 64% said they could see a silver lining to lockdown. Lead researcher Dr. Matthew Jenkins says New Zealanders talked about a wide range of positive experiences during lockdown, from prior from pride in the country's response to having more free time to exercise, take up hobbies, or build relationships with their neighbors. Quote, Lockdown represented, let's see, is this actually close? Lockdown represented a major flashpoint in people's lives and created an opportunity to stop, take stock, and to reflect and connect with others. Many people reported that kindness and helping behaviors became more common over this period. They described an old-fashioned sense of community and caring that was not apparent before lockdown. End quote. Increased flexibility in working from home and reduced time spent commuting was frequently mentioned as one of the silver linings of lockdown, enabling people to spend more time with their families. Because, quote, because of, lo- because of the social distancing measures in place, technology became a major part, major way for people to connect socially and for work via online services such as video conferencing. One participant reported they got to speak with my dad, who lives overseas daily, while another joined a global online knitting group to maintain social interactions, end quote. Others reported the pride they felt in the country's response to the pandemic, with one commenting, quote, we may be a small country, but we are doing an amazing job, end quote. I don't like braggers. Well, I'll I'll tell you what, though, of what's very interesting, right? Kiwis love when they're mentioned 
internationally. So all of the international news about how great New Zealand is doing and how New Zealand is doesn't have COVID-19 and yada, yada, yada. Kiwis take major pride in that. And so there's a lot of a bit of it's that type of elitism. I would say Kiwis, for the most part, are pretty humble, right? Like they're not really they're not really trying to get ahead of each other. Like that's not really a trait that you find here. But what you do find is that extreme sort of we're mentioned in the news or like that's why Lord of the Rings is such a big deal here, because every time someone brings up Lord of the Rings, they talk about us and that's us. We're great. Right. It's that type of stuff. That's a little weird. Yeah, there is so continues. There was an increased sense of national unity expressed by one participant as it brought New Zealanders together, united in our shared COVID experience. Participants also talked about the respite about the respite that lockdown offered for the environment, with one observing there was less air pollution and nature was having a break from humans destroying it and another enjoying <laughs> hearing birds sing. <laughs> Dr. Jenkins says the research offers a valuable offers a valuable insight into what kind of support could help people survive and thrive under adverse circumstances. Quote, our findings show that in, t- in a time of turmoil, unrest and psychological distress, many people nonetheless found silver linings. We also speculate that despite the impact of the lockdown, many people had their psychological needs for social connectedness and autonomy met, and these were likely to have influenced compliance with lockdown measures. Identifying these silver linings will help governments and mental health practitioners identify the support required to help people survive and thrive during prolonged and stressful events, such as pandemics and lockdowns, end quote. So there you go. I guess if you do it and it's actually worth it because you come out of the other side, you can feel pretty good about it. Unlike us. Well, I would say that's the thing, right? And I will tell you, so like, Right. A lot of people, and I would say in general, right, I'm going to make some a lot of generalities here. A lot of people internationally would say that the lockdown worked if they have a tech job, right? Because that's a job for the most part where we've all been able to do from home, right? Like you haven't stopped working. I haven't stopped working. Um, it last year kind of felt normal in the sense, other than the fact of I was sitting at home doing work, I was still able every single day to log on, basically see the same faces of people do the same thing I had done day in and day out. Like that didn't change where it really hurt in the States. I would say are a lot of people who have jobs where it's not tech, right? Where you need to go into a location or right. If you're, if you're running a bar or running a restaurant or, or, you know, you're, you're working on a construction site. You basically were told, hey, stay at home, right? Mm -hmm. Where here in New Zealand, those same people exist, but the government put a ton of money into making sure that people were getting paid the entire time that they were in this very strict lockdown and the lockdowns after that, right? So the government didn't leave people hanging and go, well, you get unemployment, and then once unemployment ends, good luck. It was actually like, nope, we're going to pay you out. You know, We're going to give your company money so they can continue to pay your salary if you can't work. And so everyone bought into that system of, okay, yep, we're going to lock down for a month. And that means if we get rid of this thing and we can go back to normal, we're going to do it. And we're all going to follow along and just follow the rules for a month and and we'll, we'll get back to it. And that's what happened. And so we've not really had a real strict lockdown since. There's been a few in Auckland and the same thing has happened. Government pays your money. Sure, businesses are struggling and it hasn't been all great. And that's why it's what? you know, three fourths of the people think there's some silver lining. But for the most part, I would say a lot of people weren't affected the way that they were affected overseas. And it's mostly because people here bought into what the government told them and they were supported by the government. And now things are kind of back to normal. Yeah. And they were right, you know, at the end of the day. Yep. 
Yep. Now you can also say it's an island country, only five million people, yada yada, which also helps, right? So it's like it's very hard to get COVID when there's only five million of you, and you shut down the border. So um, I would say I I was more efficient in working last year than I had ever been, like ever, right? Working from home for the job that I was doing at the time was super beneficial for me because I didn't have to drive in. I could wear sweatpants and I could put on my headphones and just do a bunch of work that I normally wouldn't be there. Now, which part so, of how much did your sweatpants contribute to your productivity? A lot. Yeah. Like a ton. Absolutely. Wow. Like, Interesting. like actually just being able to just kind of throw on what you have hmm. and, you know, didn't have to, you know, keep my hair wrapped up. I was able to sit here at my desk. Quite honestly, being able to go into my own kitchen for lunch, being able to take a nap for lunch. And not it be some big deal. Like I can just go and hey, I'm not feeling well today. I'm gonna take a couple of hours and then I'll get back to it. All of that stuff was comp- was was a major benefit. And I would say that made my work life balance better than it's ever been. Versus having to go into a location. Now that I'm starting to drive into work, I spend 11 hour days. Come home pretty much awake for an hour and a half before you go to sleep. It's not nearly as it's not as peaceful as it was when I was working from home. So yeah, as this sort of adopted Kiwi says 100%, I would say there's major silver linings for me. Um, I If there's another lockdown, I wouldn't bat an eye. I'd be like, yep, awesome, let's do it. <laughs> I don't I don't got to go anywhere. I'm good. Yeah, the problem is, you you know, the biggest difference between that, it's not even the amount of people. It's the mentality of the people, right? Like, yes. if you did yep. any of the things that were guided, that the guidance told you to do, then... Maybe we would have had like I, I keep seeing these things be like, oh, with COVID going on, the the um, what is it? Mental health problems have increased by a certain amount of percent. It's like, yeah, because people people won't can't leave their apartments. People can't leave their houses like you, you're basically depriving them of general society, societal needs. And as a result, it's kind of crushing lifestyles. But we've also society here has done that to the to it themselves because they won't do things like wear a mask, like that's become a controversial thing. And you guys kind of did this in the extreme way, which is, nope, everybody stay home. That's what we're doing. And you can't go anywhere for what was it? Two weeks, like the first two weeks, you couldn't do anything. For the first like three weeks, you couldn't do anything. Like you weren't like restaurants weren't even open. Like you couldn't order McDonald's. Everything was shut down. The only place you could go was the grocery store and to a pharmacy if you needed medicine. That was it. Yeah, that was it. That's wild. And to do that here would be unheard of because yes, it would, it's against your freedoms. <laughs> exactly. You're damn right. It is. You're damn right. It is. And, and then it's, and you can't put on a mask cause that's also against your freedom. And that was, yep. yeah. So, because I think I, I forgot where it was. I, I think I heard it on the news, but someone was like, yeah, if everybody wore a mask, if everybody had like an N95 mask and they wore that every day, like whenever they went out and everybody just wore an N95 mask, pandemic would be over in like two weeks. Yep. It'd be over in the time it takes it to, you know, get out of your system. Um, But look, people are selfish. And I will say the interesting thing that will be, it will be good to see what happens. And I don't necessarily know if good's the right word, because a lot of Kiwis are skeptical about this vaccine, Mm. right? So it's interesting, right? Where Americans are like, no, no, give me the shot, because I want to get back to normal. Well, most, I would say there's more Americans who are like, if like, giving me the shot gets me out of this stupidity of whatever this is, and I can go back to doing what I want to do, give it to me. Yeah. I Well, that's what I'm saying. I, I'm in that group. I got my first shot. I got my first shot Monday. But, but, but think about it. Kiwis, 
we don't some people are saying well what do i need the shot for i'm walking around like normal if everyone else gets this shot and we kill the virus if the rest of the world starts to get their act together just keep the borders closed until everyone is good and then we'll open up and we don't need to take this shot that may or may not do harm to me because right now i'm able to go to the grocery store without a mask on i'm able to walk around i'm able to do whatever i want right so that's it's a different argument and it's interesting because you're like, yeah, we've, you know, 99.8% of our population has not had the virus. I was and gonna, they're saying, well, do I need to be vaccinated of something where right now with what we're doing is working? So why don't we just keep doing this? Now, obviously, there's economic impact and all these other things that you have to explain to people. But there's a lot of people who have that mindset of going like, I don't really think I need it. I'm good. We're just we're just finding America's just finding a way to fuck this thing up every single chance they can get. Because like reading at this N- NPR article from two days ago, it's saying one in four, one in four Americans don't want to get the vaccine. This is actually what I was going to hold off for um, the, the political stuff, but th- we might as well get into it now. Right. Yeah. So as well, I was I was in a coffee shop and the first at the counter, you know, she she was saying, yeah, I was supposed to get my vaccine today, but some people were telling me things about it. So I don't I, that that it's probably not a good idea to get it. So I don't think I should anymore. And let me ask you, what would you say to somebody in that situation? It's tough because I will say as an African-American and knowing the histories of vaccines in this in America, I think my answer would be different if they were a white person. Uh, Let's hypothetically say it's a a young Hispanic woman. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um, look, I, I would personally say, like, it's really just how much you trust science is where I stand on this. And science is overwhelmingly proving that even if this doesn't work 100%, it's not going to do any harm to you. Because I guess that would be my main concern, right? Is taking this vaccine going to harm me? If it does nothing, that's different from, oh, well, it's going to actually make your fingernails fall out. Or it's going to, you know, whatever. It's going to shorten your life by 10 years. Or it's going to make you lose your hair. All the things that you can think of in conspiracy theories of what this vaccine could do. Or it's going to control your mind. Um, and it seems like none of that stuff, What what's actually made up of this vaccine is kind of, it's not simple, but it is. And I that's when I go, well, look, the science tells me that there's no harm that can come from this, only good. So I that's why I think you should take it. That's my answer to people. Now, if you're black, and you can say, yeah, you know, they said they were going to cure syphilis, and they just gave people placebo. Ah, a little mm. harder. And that was in the 70s. <laughs> that wasn't that long ago. Yeah, but it was 50 years ago. Not that long ago. In the grand scheme of things, there's people who are still alive and are, who are affected by that. And just general mistrust of the way that, I mean, look, most of the, most of the information we have for gynecology studies were done against the will of black women. So if you're listening to this and you benefit from all the things of of the study of gynecology and birth and women's health, you can thank black women for that because they basically did experiments on black women. So I think people have the right to be a little skeptical if you're African-American of taking vaccines and shots from the government. I would still say the science tells me there's not much harm that's going to come from this. So I'm not as, and quite frankly, seeing all these people in the States take the vaccine, make me feel better about it. There's already, how many people have gotten vaccinated? 
30% of uh, the country already has their first shot. That's a large number that makes me go, okay, I think I'm going to be fine. Yeah. Well, what she said was, oh, apparently it hasn't it hasn't been tested thoroughly. It's like, all right, so but it, it, it's so, being tested now with thirty with there's thirty percent of a country that's that's so, had it. That's my test right there. So what did I say? I'm sure you're wondering what what would you say in this situation because because I was actually put in the situation and I I started it, so I guess I had to respond. And uh, I said, well, I said they they are safe. I said the. I said, are these people that are telling you this scientists? <laughs> she said, no. I said, well, then they're probably getting false information. I said, the vaccine itself was developed. And I actually was wrong. I said the vaccine was developed in two weeks, the mRNA no, vaccine. It, it was two yeah. days. Yeah, it was super short. It was two days, not two weeks. And I was sure to mention that Dolly Parton funded the Moderna one, Yep, which is valuable information because she is a national treasure. And everybody should trust Dolly Parton, anything but, she does. But the thing is, though, is that this virus is like, it's one of those things where if you actually learn the history of what makes this virus unique is how contagious it is. Yeah. And how it can spread without um, without having any symptoms. That's what makes yeah, it so dangerous. That's what makes this difficult. It's not the fact that this is some crazy thing we've never seen before. We've seen this before. It's just this version of this specific coronavirus is highly contagious and often undetectable in people under a certain age. And that's what made this hard. So it's not like all of a sudden there's some new string of things that were put together that scientists are like, where did this come from? I don't understand. It's like, oh, okay, we see it. It's a novel coronavirus, and it's highly contagious. Yeah. So, yeah, it doesn't surprise me at all that they had the vaccine in two days. They're like, oh, yeah, this is exactly what this is. There you go. Put one and one together, and, there, and that's it. You got it. But now, why it takes the time is because you gotta. They've done the trial for the last year to make sure. Yeah, people exactly. Can that's what I said. I said most. I said they figure. I said they had the vaccine in like two in two weeks. We'll just say what it is. I said and they've been testing it for a year. It's like all and they've been doing all the proper procedures, all the right processes. I said, and then I sent, uh, and then I, I told her about a podcast to listen to that would actually explain all the details and why it's safe and all that stuff. Because it's like this is what's going to bury us because. Like I said, we're just going to try to fuck this up at every point we can get until we just keep killing ourselves or blocking our hospitals or whatever. And if that's the solution, fine. If you basically, it's kind of what we were talking about last week with the passport, where you know if you don't want to do it and you want to put yourself at risk, cool. Then that's that's on you at the end of the day. But you know, I if what I just saw on NPR was like one in four people don't want to get the vaccine. They but it's seventy five percent good enough. That's my question. Well, this is, herd immunity this is, the is what's the number for herd immunity? Seventy percent. So your margin of error is five percent. Pretty small, but it's pretty narrow. It's but pretty I narrow. would assume that over time, that one in four people would become one in five, one in six, one in seven. When you would have hope. enough of your colleagues and friends and people who get it and then are fine in six months, there's not a lot of reason for you to go. Well, I don't want to take it. Because if everyone's looking around, be like, dude, I'm fine. Like, nothing has happened. I, I'm, I'm sitting, standing here in front of you today. Eventually, people's like a lot of science stuff, like, you people have to see it to believe it. And I think, I think you're, you're seeing clusters. it now. So yeah, you'll get these clusters and you'll get these little outbreaks and things. But that's why if 75% of your population is vaccinated, it's not going to be as devastating as it's been. Yeah. But I think what's going to make it weird is that it's going to be 70% in the largely 
blue areas, which or the largely metropolitan areas, because those are the places that actually understand that, oh, yeah, we need to get this thing. This is real. This is legit. This is cool. The biggest group of, of hesitancy is is Republican men. <laughs> but to be fair, though, the the these metropolitan areas have more to lose and they're willing to take a bigger chance than some of these places who are probably a lot like these Kiwis who've told you, hey, I actually really liked lockdown. I really liked like being this pandemic is because they're like, well, how many people do you see when you live in the middle of Kansas? Right. Well, people who Versus, don't believe this is different because no, these no, people who no, but that's my don't believe point. in the science. No, that's my point, though. Right. You come across your same old six or seven friends every day in the middle of Kansas. You drive your truck. You're not living in New York City where you're kind of on top of each other and you kind of need to take the subway to get to work and you've got a greater chance of catching this thing. So these guys, it's much easier to say that you don't believe in something when the chances of this really affecting you are much slimmer than if you live in New York, L.A., Chicago, Houston, Philadelphia, any of the other major cities in the U.S., right? It's just it's just a numbers game at that point. So, yeah, if the red states are are sparsely populated and their work is more, you know, it's more blue collar, that type of work in these regions, farm work, all the type of stuff that keeps our country, you know, going, these people are like, well, I don't, the chances of me catching this because I only see four or five people a day are slimmer than this guy in New York who's on a subway with 10,000 people a day. So, yeah, it makes sense to me. And then you get the conspiracy theories on top of that. And then people go, well, I don't want to take this. I don't need to. There's no need for me to take this. Talked to somebody in my neighborhood. um, And she was like, yeah, you know, there's just something in in here, in here. No, she's a a yoga instructor. So try to try to envision that. Right. And she's like, something in here is just telling me, "Mm, no, not yet. Not yet. I'm not an anti-faxer. That's what she said. But. Just something, something about it. Not, not gonna get it yet. I will, but not yet. Just not yet. Not for me yet. And I was like, oh, all right, fair enough. Get on that goddamn list because we need to get to seventy percent so she can open back up again. Like that's all I want. <laughs> like once we hit that seventy percent number, then live in a, do whatever the hell you, you live want. In a place, you live in a place that is predicated on opening back up again, right? You just are. You just live in a place where opening back up again is actually your entire livelihood because that's how you live in New York. Being yeah, stuck in a two one two bedroom apartment in New York City is not fun, and so for you, absolutely, you're willing to take this risk, even though me and you know it's not really much of a risk. Yeah, but don't you want to come back to this country as well? Don't you want to see your parents? Sure, but at the same time, I would say if I look at the what's good for the rest of the country, I'm kind of an anomaly, right? So I look at the other four and a half million Kiwis who don't necessarily need to travel to some other country to go back home and go yeah we're for the most part my life is it's fine i'm healthy i'm able to work i'm able to make money i'm able to buy things like a house (laughs) right like my life is so unaffected compared to people who are losing their lives that i see getting the vaccine isn't just so i can have the freedom to go do stuff it's actually so that way the rest of us can continue the way we were before and if not just the way we were the way we were before but better so, yeah, I think that's, that's what drives me to get this. Yes, I want to be able to travel and do these things. But I also kind of don't know enough information about, well, how long does this actually last? Well, that's the thing. If you get it sooner and you stamp out the cases now, you do it, you get it before it could, before variants could spread faster. That's why cases are rising in 
in the country now because the UK variant, as they called it, because that's where it's first identified, that spreads faster than the original. It's not more I, deadly, but it spreads faster. So now I you're racing against the clock. I think we're going to be dealing with this. I think we're going to be deal- dealing with this for the next five years. Yeah, it's possible, do. and it sucks. I think it'll be. And you'll be getting our, different. You'll be getting booster cases. shots, and we'll yep. be getting vaccines every year to be like the weekly flu. Or the weekly flu, sorry, weekly the yearly flu. flu. Jesus, wow, the yearly flu. I mean, this wow. is kind of like the weekly flu, um, like the yearly flu. And there's going to be variants, and I don't think you you won't stamp this thing out until I'd give it a good another you know 2025. So five years from start to end. Yeah, and the reason will be because people like were intentionally ignorant, and I yeah. think that's a big part of it. Now I'll give the benefit of the doubt to underdeveloped countries where things will spread or or places where they don't necessarily have proper infrastructure. But the fact that we have more access to technology than ever before that could inform and educate in a way that should have stopped this thing dead in its tracks so it wouldn't become another like 1920s Spanish flu, right? And we just in we like just leaped into the pool of ignorance because fuck the libs. <laughs> like that's that's it's insane. It's completely insane. Yeah. It's insane. So yep. anyway. Cool. Well, I'm glad you guys got your silver lining. Enjoy your mask-free dining experiences and in your beautiful country, you sons of bitches. Yeah, I went out to lunch. I went out to lunch yesterday in a restaurant surrounded by people. It was wonderful. Mm-hmm. I'm glad. I'm happy for you. Let's move on. Are you though? <laughs> I am. I am. I'm happy. I'm doing okay. You know, I can't really complain. I'm still doing the things that I would normally do anyway, and I'm half vaccinated. I'm halfway there. So. In two weeks, two weeks from today, I guess. Well, three weeks from today, I guess. Three but, yeah. weeks from today. So which, but two, which two weeks from you, Monday. So what did you get? Did you get Pfizer or Moderna? Got the German one. Got the Pfizer one. Okay. Yeah, that's uh, that's the one. That's that's the, the solid one. Is what I've what I've been told. Yeah, it, I, they're all I, solid, but that's the one that I wanted to have no issues because the AstraZeneca one yeah, seems that's to have a little problem with people with people blood clotting and and again just a little they bit. Said that it's very just rare, a little bit, but yeah. one person dying from this is one person too many. So yeah, look, I see. You know, I think. Uh, never mind. I'm gonna. I'm, I'll stop that analogy dead in his tracks because that's not a good one to make. I'll tell you that off air. Um, yeah, I. The Johnson, the thing is, like, give me whatever, whatever was available, because even even if it's Johnson Johnson, because you can you pair that sixty seven percent effective with you know my my young, strong, powerful, uh, natural resistance to the elements, and my of course, I'm pretty sure my blood is like probably thirty percent matcha at this point. Well, yeah, we you read an article that said I know you know. Matcha helps. helps you. I'm drinking. Yeah, I'm drinking some you. matcha right now. I'm drinking matcha out of my tiki, out of my tiki mug. It's great. Until I get, that's how my arms are getting, are getting swollen by lifting this thing. It's, it weighs a ton, weighs a ton. All right, let's talk about Russia. This, this guy. All right, this. I'm gonna you just this picture that's in here. This is the picture. I'm reading from Business Insider, and I feel like they just do this for the like SEO. Because when this thing appeared in my, the picture I just sent you, that's what appeared in my Google feed. <laughs> like that picture <laughs> of just Putin staring at you, dead eyed. Terrifying. Terrifying. Like he's, like he's scheming. And speaking of scheming, Russia is testing a nuclear torpedo in the Arctic that has the power to trigger radioactive tsunamis off the US coast. 
It's got bullet points, but the article's short enough, so I'll just jump right yeah, into it. Yeah, I was going to say, please read me more. <laughs> yeah. Russia is planning to deploy a nuclear-powered missile to the Arctic next summer that's designed to detonate off the coastlines of enemy countries, CNN reported. Satellite satellite images provided this week to CNN by Maxar, I guess they say it, a satellite company, indicated that Russia is testing weapons in region in the region and building significant military infrastructure in the Arctic, which is increasingly free of ice because of climate change. Cool. CNN reported that Russia would deploy the Poseidon 2M39 missile to its Arctic region next summer. The missile has been referred to in reports as a doomsday device because of its devastating power. The device, images of which first surfaced on Russian state television in 2015, is an underwater nuclear torpedo designed to hit the ocean floor, kicking up a radioactive tsunami that could spread deadly radiation over thousands of miles of land, rendering it uninhabitable. Russian President Vladimir Putin requested an update on a key stage of the tests in February from his defense minister, and more tests are expected later this year, the Times of London reported. Russia and NATO countries with a rep with a presence in the Arctic region, have been increasing their activity there in recent years as rising sea temperatures make it more accessible, insiders Christopher Woody reported. That's a fun name. Russia has the world's largest Arctic coastline and derives about a quarter of its GDP from the region, and the Northern Sea Route is a valuable shipping corridor for Moscow. The Pentagon on Monday said it was watching reports of Russian military activity and infrastructure buildups in the Arctic very closely. Without getting into quote, without getting into specific intelligence assessments, obviously we're monitoring it very closely. And quote, said Pentagon Press Secretary John F. Kirby at a briefing on Monday, quote, obviously we're watching this. And as I said before, we have national security interests there. We know we need to protect and defend. And as I said, nobody's interest in seeing the Arctic become militarized. End quote. Nobody's interested in seeing the Arctic become militarized. Yeah. So what do you think? As, uh, I mean, if you, were to, if you were to Putin do this, yeah, going to end the world. <laughs> it's a good location to do it, hmm. right? Yeah, poor Sarah Palin. Um, yeah, I don't. Putin's a weird one um, because I don't think he is going to end the world. I would assume what we should really be afraid of are countries like North Korea, where we don't really know what they're doing. Um. Uh, and there's mass genocide of their own people where, I mean, we kind of generally know what Russia's doing, right? I think we generally know. Like, have you ever met anyone from North Korea? Um, Not that they've said. Met a few Koreans. But South Koreans. Or American Koreans. Assume, assumedly, sure. Koreans from Texas. And you've met Russians, right? You've, I've met people from Russia and people who are Russian-Americans. Yeah. Russian, a Russian cuts my hair. So, but I mean, that's my fear. So I feel like in general, this is Putin doing some weird stuff in the Arctic because he likes just stirring the pot. And the fact that Trump is no longer president makes me feel much better about Putin's existence. So, yeah. There's a bunch of sirens going on in my neighborhood. Um, Yeah. What'd you do? Nothing. You know what? I'm out of tea. Maybe they're uh, bringing me some more. I doubt it. (laughs) It's an emergency. It's an emergency. I need more matcha need more matcha um yeah it's an interesting point i wonder the trump thing's interesting i do the 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 fact that 
he was so cozy with those guys. Yeah. It's like it goes down to that. Um, I think Trump was just kind of it was weird because he's such a dick all the time. <laughs> right. And the fact that he was always threatening Kim Jong Un. But then at the same time, he said, we fell in love. Yes. And he was just like putty in the hands of all of these dictators and just and just kind of it was just a bro fest him and him and Putin. Right. He'd never say a bad thing about Putin. Never really said a bad thing about North Korea other than the fire and fury thing with his arms crossed. That was weird. Um, but you kind of felt that, well, he's not going to make he's not going to escalate the the conflict because he's not he's not being adversarial. Right. It's like you look at someone who's conflict averse and he kind of was conflict averse to those yeah. people with all the to all these dictators who you'd normally look at and be like oh they're really scary and then he was dicks to all the people that you'd be like well they're not very scary they're obviously not going to do anything to it. like <laughs> what is it angela merkel is not going to bomb us right no. so no. he could talk shit about angela merkel all he wants but she's going to just that smirk she's and go bomb. okay cool yeah she's good she's going to pose for a photo where she's like leaning on, on this desk staring at him while he's again there with Sarge Crop being like i don't want to sign your piece of paper and uh but these other guys you know i guess he was just more about being buddy buddy with the bullies who were potentially threats and now you got you know you got joe biden in there you got sleepy joe and all of that shit talk from going to trump being like hey why don't you hold russia accountable why don't you hold them accountable why don't you hold um you know what was the guy the guys in saudi arabia for killing uh for killing that reporter you know, all of this uh, stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the the prince that killed the, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you have all of this stuff that just piles on and it's like, okay, you do you need to hold them accountable? Absolutely. But with that, you're also raising tensions and you're building up that adversarial yeah. relationship, which would put you more at risk than if you were just like, ah, eh, fuck it. America first, you know? We don't care what you're doing. You do your thing. You want to do, you want to commit your humanitarian crimes, go for it. You want to, you know, you want to kill a reporter, fine. You know, it's not like you, it's not, I didn't know him. I didn't know the guy. Have at him. You want to dissolve him in acid? Oh my God, that stuff was awful. That was horrific. Yeah, it is. It's absolutely but, horrific. Yeah. And, and that's just like United States up until, I guess Trump did it to Trump's credit. He didn't start any additional foreign conflicts. No, but, no, but he, but he ruined relationship with allies. He could have exactly. done one without yeah. the other, which is Trump's problem. He's an absolutist, right? It's all or nothing. Yeah. And, and he theoretically is also yeah. kind of all there. He's also a bit of an absolutist as well. And that's why people fear some of this. But I feel like Putin likes playing war games and moving chess pieces without it ever doing anything. Because I think Russia, even as an economy, right? Russia's economy is kind of a mess. They don't really have money. Like in, in all places to fear, China is the one to fear. But Russia, I think, is a lot of show and it's a lot of Putin shirtless on a horse. Like it's a lot of that stuff <laughs> while his people like starve. Yeah. So yeah, it's 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 an interesting one. So no, I don't have but any they fear also, over this. So. They also have a pretty significant they also have a pretty good way of fucking with our country, like our elections. They do. They Disinformation. Do. Got, I bet yeah. you I I I'm pretty sure if I search uh, vaccine, uh, you know, I could tie two and two together here. Vaccine, misinformation, misinformation, Russia. 
I bet you a lot of the stuff. Yeah, I bet you a lot of the stuff is coming from you Most know of Russian, from Russian farms. Yeah, and that's sort of the Cold War stuff that never left, which is you know propaganda. Here we go. U.S. from Reuters. U.S. says Russia. This is from a month ago. U.S. says Russian-backed outlets spreading vax, spread vax COVID nineteen vaccine disinformation. Bam. There you go. Wasn't hard to put two and two together, and it works. Yeah. It's working. They they understand the system and. We just didn't care for four years and didn't put in any infrastructure or stop gaps to actually stop that from happening. I mean, it's not even so much just America, like, and, and we could have asked Chow this, but next time she's on, of like the Rupert Mur- Murdoch owns like the biggest media companies in Australia. Mm-hmm. So it's like, it's some of this of who are big conglomerate corporations and who a lot of the, you know, the billionaires of the world are willing to buddy with is really the major concern. Because when money becomes the goal for everything, some of your moralities in general, like who who's the decent people to do business with, doesn't matter. And I would say Putin in general tends to work with like, look, we can give you this and screw anything else. I'm giving you this and take everything else out of the picture. And that's how that's how a lot of this stuff has, has worked, how a lot of this propaganda has worked. It's like the misinformation of Western of the Western world is really the war, where the warfare is now, right? That's that's what that's the war that Trump has started. He didn't start any foreign conflicts, but he started this war that's that's through the internet of what's real, what's not, how do you converse with people, how do you attack each other? That's all Trump leaned into all of that stuff. He didn't start it, but he sure did capitalize off of it. Yeah. But at the same time, if you're if you're not checking a country like this, to bring it back to the article, why if, if you really kind of let them do whatever they want, they got free reign. Well, if they're going to mobilize and start building this thing, it said first hit in 2015, that's just before he became president. Then why they, they probably built this all up and just kind of went unchecked. I mean, the military probably is keeping a watchful eye and I'm not really too concerned. Yeah. The physical stuff that you can see, it's like the fact that they know about it is already enough to make you say probably going to be fine. Probably I mean, but at fine. the same time, though, I tend to agree about America policing the world isn't necessarily where we want to where we want to spend the next two hundred years of what you would consider American existence. Let's say the less the next hundred years, right? Of I us, agree, yeah. of us being the gatekeepers of who can and can't do what. That's kind of what's gotten us into some of the trouble that we're in. So that I will agree with on some of the maybe far right leaning sides of, you know, we got to take care of our own before we police what the hell Putin is doing. Let the people in the in Europe deal with Putin. Like we can't keep policing the world as Americans because but that's that a relatively new. Us, yeah, it was it was a hop on the Trump bandwagon. That's not what most of these people on the right believe. It's not. It's not. It's not. No, no. But I'm, I'm saying, but that general sentence of just like, hey, policing America polices the world, and that's why we have so many enemies and as many allies too, right? It works both ways. Right. It's because we spend a lot of time policing everybody else when we should really just be dealing with ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> and you look at that and you say, well, there there's interesting cases to be made for it because if you have the strength it's like it's that classic spider-man line right with great power comes great responsibility if you have the power but we don't really have any of the responsibility otherwise we would do something about you know china's uyghur genocide <laughs> like, yes. yeah. but no instead we're just constantly fueling that economy and taking and taking all those kickbacks that we can get there's plenty of other heinous shit going on that we just kind of let slide so 
you know, it's a messy world. Am I worried about this uh, missile shoot in Alaska? No, it's the other kind of it's the other side of the country. That's their problem, not mine. I mean, I do remember, <laughs> I believe we said that, I mean, at least maybe I said that, like, oh, this, when we first talked about the coronavirus last year in January, and we're like, oh, we'll see what happens. But it wasn't like, oh, my God, this is going to shut down the world. Yeah. And here we are. So maybe we should be worried. Maybe now, the granted, coronavirus did, should teach us something. So I did phrase it as this will kill you. Yeah. When I presented those articles. So don't forget. Anyway, enough of that shit. Let's move on to a little uh, media therapy, shall we? Start with the question. I could tastelessly put uh, DMX in the Paul Giamatti game, but I won't. Because yeah. you already know how old he was, and that would be cheating. Yes. All right. Who's older? I don't think we did this one before, but if we did, I apologize. But not really. Selma Hayek or Paul Giamatti? That's a great one. I believe Selma Hayek is younger. I believe Selma Hayek is 52. Hmm. That's my poor, guess. Yeah, poor, poor Paul. Poor Paul. Selma Hayek. Is she is, older than him? She, he, she's a year older than Paul Giamatti. Wow. <laughs> wow. Still, still looking great. Oh, yeah. She still looks amazing. Yeah. It's unbelievable. She's uh, she's 54. It's nuts. Wow. I would have not. Yeah. I would have guessed that maybe she had just turned 50. Yeah. Okay. Good for Selma. Yeah. Well, cool. I'm glad I didn't do that one. And uh, yeah. Glad you thought it was a good one. So, be therapy. What what you got? What have you been, what have you been watching? I, I haven't done much of anything really. I did catch up on the what is it? Uh, Bucky and and Black Bucky, Cat. Buck, Bucky Bucky and pals. <laughs> yeah, Bucky and pals. <laughs> what is the name of that show? Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Falcon and the Sorry. Winter Soldier. I mean, I don't. The, I, yeah, I was like, yeah. By the end of it, it's going to be called uh, uh, Black Captain America. Captain America and the White Wolf, which is a yeah. dope name for a show. Like, let's be yeah. real, that's a dope name for a show or a yeah. movie. Give me that movie. Um, so I, I've caught up on that today. So that is the media therapy that we should talk about. Should we save it for the um, end so we can spoil a little bit? We can, but yeah, that's it because I've been busy at work. So okay, cool. So spoil that a bit at the end. Um, otherwise, yeah, the only thing I've been doing, I've been playing um, playing more Monster Hunter. I think I've crossed twenty hours at that game now. Have um, you? Okay, because I need goes, to catch up. Maybe, maybe we'll do some Monster Hunter after. I this. haven't. I haven't done any of the hub quests, so I'm fine there. But I also that the time goes quick. Time goes quick. I still don't really know what's happening in the game, <laughs> but uh, I get it, man. I get the loop. It is the perfect subway game. Yeah, Absolutely perfect. It, you can put it down and you're done. Yeah, you play it. You do two hunts and then and then you're where you need to be. It's a beautiful thing. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I, I and I encounter this one monster with like some real. There's some really cool monster designs there. There's, there like, there's this, some really nice designed monsters yeah, in this game. I there was this thing. It was like I, I, the best way I could describe it. It was like part bird, part bear <laughs> it was just it was wild i took a screenshot of it because i thought it was so cool uh but yeah there, there's some fun stuff going on in that game uh the rampages are whatever i didn't hate it i basically just played them like a shooter and i was like all right this is i guess this is that part of the game it's silly um and i've been playing outriders which is uh on game pass i think i talked about it last week and i couldn't play it because of all the connection problems well they resolved the connection problem so i started on sunday I love this game. This game is the most I, I just this is how I described it to um, to uh, to developer I was working with. I said it, it was the most it's the most video game ass game that that I've played in a long time. This is a it's a third person shooter. It's basically like a Gears of War. There's some things I don't like about it, like the controls are 
Gears of War is great because it's so simple. There's only like one button that does everything. And uh, and this one, they just make it a little more complex. So you see this game that you expect to play one way. So sometimes your mind plays some tricks on you. It also doesn't help that I'm playing Monster Hunter at the same time, which is also third person. So I'm often mixing up some of the controls. My old old man brain starting to come into form there. And uh, but it's just fun, man. This this company, people can fly. They first did uh, Painkiller, and then they did Bulletstorm. Two games that just did not take themselves seriously whatsoever, and but were just pure fun first person shooters. This is like I said, third person Gears of War takes a lot from uh, the the interface screen and some of the armor look identical to Destiny, so you're getting a lot of loot. It's meant to be co op. It's online, but you could also play single player. I'm having I'm having a blast playing playing uh, single player. the The world is interesting. It's been getting a lot of shit for the story. I actually find it cool. It's a good setting, good setup. The characters are silly, and I just love how little fox it gives when it comes to the story it's like oh these are going to be my main characters and then all of a sudden it kills half of them and you're like what what and then that happens constantly like it keeps kind of faking you out in things that are going on and it just kind of gives the impression of this savage environment where anything could happen and it, it kind of helps keeps you on the edge of your seat a little bit with uh if you just look at it through that lens so i'm really enjoying it the gunplay is fun it's got this cool grind the the loot is pretty cool um it's just a uh, it's just a great experience. I um, I'm really enjoying the game. It was it it's include it was day and date with Game Pass, which is amazing. So that continues to be a great deal. It's like oh, I didn't have to spend sixty seventy dollars on this new game. I just have it. Nothing to lose. If you got an Xbox, you should have Game Pass. Give this a try. I I was having a blast, and it's and it's cross play. So if you decide to get it on PS4, we could we could play uh, online together, have some fun, shoot some uh, shoot some things. It's, yeah. uh, it's I mean, I'm still playing Monster Hunter. I still kind of want to get into that. But yeah, this game sounds cool. Yeah, that's a lot of fun. Uh, cool. So yeah, there was that. And that that's kind of it. So yeah, let's talk about some uh, some Bucky and friends. Yes. Um, you. So we are four episodes in. Mm-hmm. The fourth one dropped today. Mm-hmm. I watched it at lunch, uh, as I as I often do on Fridays. I look forward to that. Did I love this show? I really do. Do you like it better than WandaVision? Um, they're different, but I'd say yes on a whole. And they're different in a way that it's kind of the opposite, actually, because WandaVision started off and it was so weird and interesting where you're like, oh, this is different. This is different from the MCU. And then it quickly became something that was traditional MCU, right? This started off very traditional MCU other than, uh, other than uh, Falcon trying to get a loan, you know, it was yeah. it was very <laughs> yeah, yeah. it was very traditional MCU, and now it's becoming something a bit more cerebral and cool, which I which I really like. So they kind of took uh, uh, it seems like they're taking opposite trajectories. Where I thought Wandavision started great and ended good, and I think this started. I think this started. I actually really enjoyed it from the beginning. So I'm going to say it started great, and it's ending, and it looks like it's ending like fantastic. Because well, I, it's actually, I it's like funny it more because and more as it's going. I don't know if you've, if you're aware of the show The Boys, right? That superhero show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it's very similar tones of like what is a superhero, right? Like that discussion. Now that we've got so many of these superhero movies, I think this is why Deadpool did so well. Is because you kind of have the trope of here's this person who's going to stop the bad people from doing bad, right? 
yet there's obviously a lot of morality is in what's good, what's bad, what makes a superhero, what actually makes somebody a hero. And the last three episodes of this show are some of the best Marvel content I think I've ever watched from a storytelling point. Because it actually starts to get into the morality of, well, what is Captain America? What is a superhero? What should a hero be? You know, what are the choices you have to make sometimes that seem like they're good or seem like they're evil? And there's this big duality between both sides are kind of right, but kind of wrong. And we're trying to figure out how do we deal with that? And I just think as a, that that will become a trope in superhero stories soon if it's not already, but I feel like Marvel has finally started to do some of this. I mean, they did a bit of it with Thor, right? Like Thor is sort of like, I'm a god, what am I supposed to do? Uh, But this is kind of like, these people are superheroes, but they're kind of not. And it's to me, it's very, I I really enjoyed the last four episodes. I really enjoyed the last episode. I thought the last episode was excellent. Yeah. So I think I feel similar, where WandaVision kind of, when it turned into the regular MCU stuff, I got bored. Mm Mm-hmm. It was well done. I just got bored. I was like, fine, I know what's going to happen. But this, you're kind of like, oh, I'm actually excited to see what does happen. What is, I mean, I think we can all see where it's headed. But at the same time, this sort of, the Captain, actually making Captain America an interesting story is enough for me. Because Captain America is a bit like Superman, where it's a bit like, oh, this is sort of this patriotic Boy Scout American dream is not necessarily the reality when Captain America, and spoiler alert, Captain America sucks in this show. He's a terrible Captain America. Yeah. He's not strong. He's got a gun. He runs around. And then he kind of realizes, like, oh, I can't fight with these people. Like, I'm fighting the the women soldiers from Wakanda, and they are whooping my behind because I'm not built for this, right? And it's this sort of like, well, how do I be? How do I become a superhero if I don't have the ability to do some of these things that give me superpowers? And sort of that choice being made um, is—I just thought it was good. I, I really enjoy this, and I think it's got a bit of the MCU levity in it, which is nice, right? Like you got, oh, yeah. you got Anthony Mackie making jokes, and you got dance parties, and it's good. Like I, I think this is to me, this is much better than Wandavision. Um, where I personally have a bit of a fear that the Loki show is going to become just a bit too much jokes. It's too much Tom Hiddleston gets to make jokes every episode is a little what I'm worried about. But we'll, we'll see. see. I mean, there definitely seems to be free. Uh, well, don't forget, Loki himself is a trickster. Like, that's the whole yes. character. So, yeah, they've never they've only leaned into that a little bit opposite of Thor. So it'd be interesting to see when he doesn't have that. When he's yeah. actually when he's on his own, the, when he becomes yeah. the protagonist and then they pair him up with Owen Wilson of all people like, come on. Yeah, that's going to be weird as hell. But I'm interested. I'm interested. And yeah, I'm I'm with you 100 percent like this. This show kind of goes places and you kind of see where it's going to go from the beginning. You understand yeah. the yeah, general yeah. flow, but the way they set the pieces up, it still is super engaging in the way it's done. Like this guy. Like they don't, they don't just throw out this kind of, we'll call it an imposter Captain America. They don't just throw him out there being like, this guy sucks. You're going to hate him from the beginning. It's like, he's, the guy tries so hard <laughs> from the, and, and even like through the turn, he's trying so hard and he just can't take it. And that just, and it like by doing this, it almost fleshes out the older Captain America more because you see, okay, well it's, it's not just like, it's not just the stuff in your veins. It's the, uh. You know, but at the same time, though, it's, it's interesting it's cool. because I would say, 
I mean, that's a little unfair to this guy because Steve Rogers wouldn't have been Captain America if he didn't start off from getting this, you know, from getting this serum that makes him stronger than everybody else. Right. Like, but, but the thing that, and this is what they're trying to, trying to say is like the serum doesn't mean anything if you don't have the morals and the character behind it. And that this Captain America's morals and like, it's not that he's a bad guy at all. It's that that stuff, why he does what he does is coming into question. Where with Steve Rogers, it was known he's doing this for a reason. Um, except for, and this is why I don't tend to like some of the stuff, is because he was all about that until it came to Bucky. And he kind of let Bucky kill. I mean, th- that that whole end of Civil War left such a bad taste in my mouth from a story point. I'll never forget it of the way that he and Bucky tag-teamed Iron Man and almost lost. Right? Like, in all credit to Tony Stark, fighting two against one, and both these dudes are juiced up. I mean, he held his own, but that's part of this story of saying, well, Steve Rogers actually had all, like, you can take the serum out of him and it wouldn't have made a difference. This is just who he is. Where this guy, he doesn't know what he is. He has no idea what he's supposed to be. He becomes Captain America and he just sees this image of what he's supposed to be, but he doesn't really know what it is, which is kind of the underlying theme of the show of is you'll never be Steve Rogers. That's not who you are. And now they're going to lean into that, which I think is super cool. Yeah. Yeah, and I think, um, and I, I really like what they've done with the character of Zemo. I think that that was a turn I did not expect. Yeah, I did not realize they were going to make him kind of this, uh, you know, this anti-villain type character or um, an anti-hero, whatever it is, where you don't really know what he's up to, and you're like, oh, this guy's going to pull some shady shit, and then it's like, oh, he actually follow through. Yeah. yeah. And then, and yeah, then, like, oh, he's got some information that he's not going to tell them, and he tells him the information, and it's like, oh, okay, now what? Yeah, or, it's oh, like, now he's going to shoot this person when he, you, you know, you think it's weirdness. You still don't know what he's going to do, yeah. so that is a big part of the story of like, well, what is his actual end game? What is his? What is he hoping to do? Yeah, it's like he's, you know, that he's going to do some some heinous stuff for like for two episodes. It takes until that last moment for him to finally be like, oh, okay, now he's loose. Now he's going to do some serious stuff, and. It's interesting. Like there was a point in this last episode when, you know, you see the serums on the ground. I'm like, oh shit, he's going to take them. He's going to take one so that he can be the guy so that he can like be more powerful to kill all these other heroes, super, uh, all these other uh, super soldiers. But he doesn't. Instead, like he just starts squashing them. It just like strengthens the resolve of that character. And I'm like, this, that was like a subtle, but very cool moment to me. I thought it was just very interesting. And maybe I'm the only one who thought that what's going to happen no again i i agree i think it's again i just think the show's just very well done like it's it's marvel but it actually is going to start getting into some of the the not necessarily you know trope stuff it is because this is going to become a trope of this anti-hero hero because it already like we're already doing shows like this but i think the fact that this is now interweaved in the storyline that we've been following for a very long time makes it very interesting the idea of captain america what makes someone captain america is it's very timely and just in general right like with what we've just gone through for the last four years this type of information is or this type of storytelling i think is really good and i think they're doing it well so i give marvel full credit because i'm enjoying it i'm enjoying it way more than i enjoyed wandavision i didn't hate wandavision i was just bored of it fair enough yeah this is cool two more episodes left i man i uh, i'm excited and i do Despite wishing, man, I wish I had more of it now. I still really like the week by week structure. It's a good way to pace it out, get you excited, get you hyped, let you speculate for what's going to happen. I don't know. I liked watching both these episodes back to back. I would have been frustrated if I had watched if I had to watch it, you know, wait for a week. 
So I don't know. I'm not a f- I'm I'm a fan of putting stuff together. I feel like I I can understand the story more. It's more just probably because my memory is awful. So when I watch it back to back, I tend to keep up with themes and things that they're trying to get across. Versus if I have to wait a week, I'll probably forget. Well, that's ADD working in two different methods. One is probably. you can't you can't remember stuff, and two is uh, I can't focus on something for more than thirty minutes at a time. Yeah. So Those there you go. <laughs> just just running amok up there. So yeah, I guess that's it, huh? Yeah, that's it. Right on. Well, thanks for listening. Go to he'sabroad.com. Get all the links to iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get podcasts. Review us on iTunes. You know, I think John will still give you a dollar. You still going to give him a dollar? Yeah, but no Bitcoin. Those no Bitcoin. No Bitcoin. It's hoarding those up. He's uh, he's a Bitcoin bajillionaire. Um, yeah, it's cool. Till till next week. This podcast is over. <laughs>